Hi, everybody. This is Mark Iskowitz, executive editor at MMM, and welcome to the MMM podcast. I'm here with my amazing host, Larry Dobrow, senior editor of the publication. Hey, Larry. How you doing? Back together, huh? Back together again. <laughs> and we're very fortunate to have a guest uh, today in the studio, Karen Newmark, who is the executive director of the Point of Care Communications Council. Hey, Karen, how are you? I'm good. Thanks so much. Sure. Great to have you here. Um, Karen uh, was named executive director of the council back in November. Uh, and um, we're going to talk about uh, the council's mission, um, what Karen's goals are as a new executive director, and uh, talk a little bit about the point of care space in healthcare um, and uh, healthcare media in general. And we thought this is a great time to do this, uh, especially um, because not only because Karen uh, is new to her position, uh, but also because MMM just published its big media issue, uh, which was in April. Uh, and so if you're listening to this uh, by now, you've probably seen the media issue. And um, uh, But if you haven't had a chance to check it out online. We've got features there um, talking about everything from um, uh, programmatic media versus um, human-aided media buying in this human, age of autonomy. The human element, so to speak. The human element, <laughs> uh, as well as uh, you know profiles of some of the um, uh, most prolific voiceover artists uh, in pharma commercials, which is an interesting take if you haven't seen that one. Uh, all the pharma category media spend data that you could ever want and, and shake a stick at is in that issue as well. Uh, so uh, we're very proud of that one. And uh, so, you know, now we'll, that, that's, that's basically the story here. And uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to, uh, to, to the interview with Karen now. Uh, so Karen, you have a very interesting background. I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. Um, you um, worked on the on both the brand and agency side of the business, uh, most recently as an associate brand director at Teva. You've also worked on the agency side of the business. Um, how does that kind of inform your your position now? Sure, that's a great question. I probably have a bit of a different background coming into um, an executive director position in an association like this, but. POC3 is is focused first and foremost in point of care marketing. And so um, I think as the association was experiencing some rapid growth along with the industry as a whole, they were actually looking for somebody with a deeper marketing background, um, but someone who also understood digital and media and had worked to some level in the point of care space as well. Um, so I think my experience is actually really applicable and I've worked kind of across the gamut when it comes to healthcare and pharmaceutical marketing. I've I've worked very deeply on the consumer patient side. I've also worked of course with healthcare professional marketing and with market access and and payer and with with POC3 being really focused on leveraging the POC space, the point of care space to drive better health outcomes. I think that sort of rounded out experience is helpful. Um, and as you mentioned, I've worked um, both on the client side, if you will, in an in-house marketing role and a variety of roles while there, um, as well as years and years on the agency side mm -hmm. in healthcare and outside of healthcare as well. Um, certainly, you weren't, you know, unfamiliar with the point of care channel in your previous uh, professional lives. Mm -hmm. What were what were some of the misperceptions that you had coming in that you've since <laughs> learned a little bit more about within the uh -huh. channel? You know, what were some of the things about the channel that surprised you? What were some of the things that are maybe not stated about the channel as often as they uh, might be? You know what? I don't think it was so much surprises that I faced when I came in as it was just more happening than even I realized. Um, you know, in the time that I spent at Teva and on the various brands that I worked on there, point of care was always a part of our media plan. And broader than that, um, 
reaching and influencing consumers and healthcare professionals in the point of care setting via marketing efforts. That was always a really important critical part of that. But I think coming into this role and really digging in deeper with some of the member companies in the association and just in general and seeing what's happening in the space, um, now that I've been able to take a step back and look at that, there's just so much opportunity out there that I think people aren't all aware of, marketers and pharma aren't all aware of. Um, so it's nice to see that it's such a growing part of the industry and it really is kind of marketing gold, if you will, right? It's that intersection between patient, consumer and healthcare professional um, at, for kind of lack of a better term, if you think in terms of shopper marketing, at the point of purchase. Um, but that happens more ongoing and um, there are opportunities along the patient journey at various inflection points. So it's, it's really um, rich in opportunity. Um, along those lines, you know, you mentioned some of the opportunities and certainly just about every pharma marketer that we speak with, you know, is very much mm -hmm. in line with that. Um, give, give us sort of a um, sort of the state of the union for point of care mm -hmm. as a channel, you know, circa early April 2019 or whatever year it happens to be. Yeah. Um, what, what, are, what are some of the things about the channel that are kind of coming to life now that maybe weren't happening? I mean, certainly about 18 months ago, there was what happened with Outcome mm -hmm. Health and the allegations of fraud and I guess misrepresentation. Mm -hmm. Give us sort of the big picture look at the channel right now. Sure. Well, and I think, you know, what happened back in 2017 was, was obviously very unfortunate. Um, but I think the industry as a whole is, is rebounding from that. I know Outcome is taking steps um, in the right direction, and, and hopefully we'll continue to see that. But moreover, it really hasn't stopped the growth that's been happening in the industry. And I think we're continuing to see a lot of innovation. We're seeing more that's happening in terms of integration into the clinical workflow. Um, I think we're going to start to see more leveraging of AI um, and deeper application of data. Clearly, we're seeing quite a bit from um, a remote health perspective. And even the very definition of what we consider to be point of care continues to broaden. Um, the council's really focused on, you know, that definition of point of care being anywhere and everywhere that a consumer is receiving care via an interaction, some form of interaction with a healthcare professional. We're really looking to kind of take that broader definition of really where we are today when you think about healthcare consumerism and you think about value-based care um, and really leveraging different things that we can bring forward strategically to improve health outcomes. And I think we're starting to see some of those things. There's been a lot going on with beacon technology, for example. There's there's quite a bit there. Content marketing is another opportunity that I think we can, we can pull in. So lots and lots happening. You talk about a broadening of the definition of point of care. Does mm -hmm. that include things like telemedicine? I think it does. Yeah, um, that's, that is happening that's happening fast i think we'll start to see over time more offerings with telemedicine vendors and and the like frankly um we're not there yet but i see that happening so we could eventually see a pharma ad buy within a telemedicine application of some kind i think it's inevitable and i hope so yeah, yeah. yeah. you know it's funny um you know the expansive definition of point of care um down in austin i went to south by southwest and sat in on a bunch of the health conversations and mm -hmm. somebody got up so you know it wasn't a speaker it wasn't anybody that was vetted uh -huh. but he got up saying like well you know telemedicine right now here is an example i was in my car i was in traffic i was late for my appointment I decided to call Teladoc, and uh -huh. like all of a sudden, the point of care is his car. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and right. Yeah, the guy was a little bit, a little bit loopy, so I'm not really sure we should take that as any kind <laughs> of a trend, uh, a trend note. But um, is is the is the organization, you know, thinking about you know 
how this could expand in ways that, you know, I mean, five years ago, that would have been almost silly, right? Yeah. And yes, the answer to that is yes. Um, I think as we've been building our membership base and diversifying our membership base, that is very much um, in vision with, with what we're looking to do. Like I said, remote health and whether that's telemedicine, whether that's interactions via mobile, whether that's a digital health portal where they're interacting with an HCP or a chatbot. These are all things that are happening around us and that are reshaping and redefining healthcare. And they are point of care interactions. And so the association mm-hmm. is, is you know trying to put kind of the best seats around the table around the table with stakeholders that have ideas um, and that have experience in these areas so that we can, um, you know, stay ahead and mm-hmm. and really bring innovation in the industry. It really underscores the point that health media is so much more than traditional media. Yes. But it's, it's all those things you just mentioned, but it is also print. Mm-hmm. You know, Larry interviewed um, mm-hmm. for the for the media issue, um, one of the big uh, publishers, Time Inc., and yeah. then their POC offering. Mm-hmm. And then print is, is still big. Yes. Isn't it so? I think when we've seen print, I mean, if you think more broadly than point of care, even we've seen print really stand the test of time. I mean, years back when digital became big and, and, you know, and then boomed to where it is today over time, print still has relevance. TV still has relevance. Other channels still have relevance. And I think as you think from marketing lens in terms of, you know, kind of the advent of multi-channel marketing and then the evolution of that into omni-channel marketing, this is, this is much of the same. And, and with point of care, it's not to say that with this expanded um, way that we're thinking about it, that that doesn't mean sort of the traditional brick and mortar, um, you know, in office, in hospital isn't important. That's mm-hmm. still critically sure. important. That right. doesn't go away or become point. diminished. It's just that it's expanding. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, um, one of the things that I love about the POC3 and its, its new mission and, and broader definition is that you're really bringing together both sides of the media equation. You're bringing the mm-hmm. buyers and the sellers together. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to ask you, how important to you is diversification of the membership? You know, we saw that the POC3 added some new buyer members mm-hmm. earlier in the year. Can you give us a status on, on the membership? Sure. Um, in the last, I don't know, five or six months, we have almost doubled in our number of members, and and you have seen some diversification in our membership base. We've added several auditing companies to help us address um, things from a verification and validation perspective. Um, we've added Helix Global to our membership list, a large media agency. We've added ZS, a research and consulting analytics firm, um, and we've added another bigger point of care media company as well. Um, so I think when we're looking at growth for the association, we're looking at any company that has a vested interest and um, knowledge and experience in doing something that can impact the space. Um, It's important that we're rounding this out and from both the buying and the selling perspective. We've also formed an industry advisory council, not necessarily part of the association, but that um, has representation across um, a multitude of agencies as well as pharma marketers. So I think having that that perspective that's well-rounded, that's balanced, will help us advance um, and move things forward. Does, does that come with any challenges? Um, you know, you have audiences that have obviously very different aims and everything else. I mean, to a certain extent, it can become like cat wrangling, right? You know, you have <laughs> you know, certain people on one side, certain on the other. Um, how, how tricky is it to affect a, a balance that everybody's going to be happy with and in a way that's going to, you know, kind of rise old boats to mix about 30 raise all boats, you know, to mix like 50 different metaphors there. Yeah, well, I think it's a good question and it's a fair one. I think, you know, 
this type of job across any association, really, when you're bringing multiple stakeholders together and people are coming into it from different perspectives, there are challenges. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, everyone's working toward the greater good. Everyone around the table is focused on the POC3 mission of leveraging this channel to grow it and enhance health outcomes. And so I think, you know, we've been purposeful in who we've kind of brought around the table to make sure that we are including people that want to have a voice, but that are also wanting to listen to the other voice. And part of the, the benefit of being part of an association is that, you know, you're building relationships, um, you're uncovering unmet need, and you're able to better deliver for, for your customers. And so it's a win-win, I think, for, for people across the board. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, not everyone aligns with every single aspect. And, and that's not unique to running an association, right? That you encounter in, in everything you do in a job. So Right. So this oh. is the fair bit of cat wrangling involved, but that just There's always the a level of, of herding cats in yeah. general, I think, when you're doing any sort of thing from a leadership perspective. Yes. Um, yes. I know this predates your arrival um, at, at POC3. Um, how much did everything that helped happened with Outcome Health complicate the organization's mission? I mean, was it a matter of going back to key constituencies and saying like, all right, this is one rogue actor. This is, should, you know, shouldn't paint everybody with mm-hmm. that brush. Um, how has the organization, I don't want to say distance itself from, because I, mm-hmm. you know, I believe Outcome Health resigned from the organization as soon as everything went on. But um, how, what was sort of the aftermath from the organization's perspective? Well, I think the industry felt the aftermath. I think, you know, people were um, disheartened, of course, and um, worried about the future um, buyers, I mean. And then, but, you know, like you said, we were talking about one specific company and not the industry as a whole. So I think the different companies um, did have to kind of work harder to say, hey, you know, we are doing things honestly and candidly and, you know, let's not let this affect what we're able to deliver for for your businesses. As an association, um, you know, it's been a big area of focus for us to put together verification guidance um, for point of care. I mean, while what happened back in 2017 was obviously quite unfortunate, I think it... Um, it elevated an opportunity that there was to put some more standards around operationally how all of this is done and to think to think more about um, how can we make this consistent across the industry. And then that also helps from an educational perspective as well. Um, so it's been a big area of focus for the association. I think we're at a really good point right now. We have a committee in the association that's been in effect since before I started, um, but that we've expanded and sort of reinvigorated and there's a lot going on there and, um, you know, we'll see soon our next draft um, that we're actually going to release for public comment Mm -hmm. so that everyone really, truly, all the stakeholders have the opportunity to view and comment and we can really build industry um, alignment around how we approach all of this. So um, that's coming out soon, hopefully in May. That's our target for May to release the draft guidance for public comment, and you can, you'll hear more about that. But I think that's that's where we're at with all of that. You know, it's it's funny. The executive that Mark brought up before, um, his name is John Kenyon. He's um, mm-hmm. a longtime uh, print guy mm-hmm. at Time Inc. and now Meredith. Mm-hmm. And um, his take on it, when I asked him about it, was basically like, you know, five years from now, ten years from now, we're all going to look back on this as one of the best possible things that could have happened to this channel mm-hmm. simply because it made us ask these questions yeah. that, frankly, might have bubbled up sooner or later, whenever it was. But yeah. we kind of got it out of the way in one fell swoop. Yes, 
I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I think that's absolutely true. Um, it may have felt tough for a while. I think we're definitely coming out of that. And like I said, the industry is still experiencing a tremendous amount of growth, which is still projected for the future moving ahead. Um, and I think it's it's not unlike other things in other industries. When you're experiencing rapid growth, um, you know, you may hit a bump and people may have been moving a little bit too quickly to have really put kind of due diligence and thinking toward toward an area that maybe got overlooked um, inadvertently, right, that now there's opportunity to address. So I think John's right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, one of your goals as executive director, of course, is to grow the channel. Mm-hmm. Are you finding that, you know, some of those, those, those advertisers that did pull out and, and, and maybe mm-hmm. you know after the 2017 situation with outcome health and maybe if they're still on the sidelines is that getting in the way of growing the channel i don't think so i mean you know not everyone that pulled out has kind of come back in but others have increased what they're doing in the channel and i think it's it's one of those things where marketers can take a look at this and say you know point of care is too important to not be there and that's my perspective on it. That's my personal perspective on it. That's part of the reason why I took this position. Um, it really is, like I said before, that intersection between healthcare professional and consumer patient and um, the ability to educate, to influence, to shape along the patient journey is just too great. And, you know, the effect that it has additionally on the healthcare professional. So I think we're going to continue to see this growth. I think you know, as over time, as uh, the rebound continues and as we put out our next um, version of the guidance, and, and that is something that will be living, breathing over time as well. As the industry evolves and innovates, we'll have to adjust and, and evolve and innovate within our standards as well. But I think as we make further steps, confidence um, for those few that still, you know, need a little bit more, um, I think will be restored and, and um, the growth continues. Um, I'm sure you can't share any specifics about this, but mm-hmm. the upcoming guidance, mm-hmm. what, in the very big picture sense, what are some of the topics that could be addressed, could be covered, um, could yeah. be alluded to? Uh, sure. Like that? Sure. Well, I mean, we've, we've, we've constructed the guidance into kind of a broader, you know, network level, but then specifically into campaigns that, that buyers are, are um, purchasing. And I think when you look at it today, the guidance... Um, it's a little bit bare bones. It was a first stab. And so moving forward, you're going to see quite a bit more specificity. You're going to see um, new content in there that wasn't in there before. You're going to be seeing expanded content. You're going to see some best practices as well. Um, And there's going to be a clear process defined for how to become um, POC3 validated so that buyers can know um, with confidence did, you know, a specific point of care media vendor go through this process to meet all of the requirements that the industry that POC3 on behalf of the industry has put forward. So over time I think that's that's a big um, exciting thing is that there'll be transparency for um, consistency in certain areas that people will have had to have audited um, and that will hopefully restore and continue um, confidence. It's probably a ridiculously speculative question but I'll ask it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Will Outcome Health at some point be welcomed back into the organization? I think it's too early to say. I mean, I I like what I'm seeing with what they're doing. I think, you know, there's been obviously a change in leadership and um, quite a bit of traction in terms of steps that 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 company is taking. I mean, at this point in time, it's it's too early to tell if, if... if we bring them back into the mix. I hope that over time we get to that point. Mm-hmm. We're not there yet, 
Um, they're still under investigation, right? Yeah. So I think we have to see how things play out over time. But I'm very happy to see the steps that they're taking. Mm -hmm, sure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you mentioned the verification and validation process. And mm -hmm. I'm sure, you know, um, how, how much of that was, was informed by the new buyers that, that are on your, on your, in your group or, or from the advisory council? And, and talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, quite a bit. Um, I think there's been an ongoing dialogue even before we officially formed the advisory council just with the, the member companies and their contacts across agency, across pharma marketers. Um, so there had been a lot of input, you know, received kind of on an individual basis. And when I came on board, I spoke with, with quite a few of the stakeholders to garner input myself. And then we had an, our inaugural meeting in December and the, of the Industry Advisory Council that, again, is, is made up of um, leaders across agencies as well as pharmaceutical companies. And I think um, the main focus of that meeting was this verification guidance. So we really did a deep dive and we talked about kind of the key themes that had risen. Um, we got everybody's point of view. Um, in those areas, and and um, when our draft guidance comes out, I think I think people will clearly see that reflected. I mean, I would imagine you know if you have auditing companies as part of this, mm -hmm. they're going to say you know in certain areas like, wait a second, you know you might think this is good, but here is our good, you know, almost kind of yeah. elevating it uh, almost by themselves. I would think. Yeah, no, I think that's that's absolutely true. So we um, have three auditing companies that are part of. Uh, member, that are members of POC3 now, and we have representation from all of those companies sitting on our verification committee, and that's been really nice. So, you know, in addition to the industry advisory council that we have, you know, the the buyers that are out there, um, we have, you know, of course, the knowledge within our own association that now also includes um, several of the auditing companies. Mm -hmm. And so, it is a third party audit, which I'm sure will mm -hmm. make a lot of buyers and and and. Advertisers, you know, satisfy that mm -hmm. desire for that verification and validation. I guess that's the idea. Yes. Um, so that must have been a big, you know, that, that was a big step, as was at welcoming, you know, buyers in, into the fold as, as members. You know, those are two, yeah. two pretty big, big, big steps that, that we've seen since since you've become executive director. So uh, yes. good, good progress. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Um, obvious uh, last question that we have before we go into the uh, go into the. Uh, Fast round. I'm forgetting uh -huh. the name of it. Lightning. The I lightning. We coined <laughs> yeah, that, that you term. Have me as the interviewer today. You're gonna miss all the. You know. um, what, what What's next? You know, if you're going to outline maybe the next year, eighteen months for our POC three. Mm -hmm. um, what are some you know beyond the guidance that's coming out mm -hmm. in May? What are some of the short term goals? What are some of the longer term goals? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think short term, I'd really like to bring forward areas that I think need to be elevated from an educational perspective that can help advance the industry. So to me, there's there's two big ones in the short term. Um, one is measurement and research. I think there's a lot of data out there um, that pharma marketers don't necessarily have access to or know about. And there's studies that can be done um, that look at really the impact um, and the possibilities within the point of care space. So that's one area, um, measurement and research. Another big area I mentioned previously is content. Um, and you know, you talk to to John from from Targeted Media Health and Meredith, but I think that that's one example, right, of a, of a company that really focuses in on content. And there are many, and I think um, content marketing and the kind of best practices within content marketing are not yet realized in pharma more broadly, 
um, because it's hard, because pharma is a regulated industry, of course. But I think with point of care in particular, there's so much opportunity there um, because you're hitting patients at different stages of their journey and you're hitting, frankly, you know, prescribers at different stages and so and different locations and, and when they're doing and thinking about different things. And so delivering the content that's relevant to them at that time, but having um, kind of a wealth of content available is a huge opportunity. So you have to have a library. You can't just that's do a right. couple pieces of calling. Right. That's, right. Right. Yeah. that's right. That's right. Um, and tailored to their specific interests at that moment in time mm-hmm. that's going to um, make an impact in whatever the objective is. So I think I think that content is going to be another big area you see focused um, mm-hmm. on for POC3. Um, longer term, it's really about innovation um, because I think that innovation is going to naturally help grow the space. And I think there's already so much traction happening and so much evolving in this space. So it's a matter of, you know, really thinking ahead and and operationalizing some of that um, as an industry. And I think that's where the opportunity is for the key players within the industry to come together to advance and forward things that maybe weren't possible a year or two ago. Right. And, uh, you know, one of the other things before we get to, to the lightning round, mm-hmm. uh, just a snagging question is, is, is the pharma brand manager? I mean, you were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did it for, for years. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that Larry uncovered in his in his interview with John was, you know, that the difficulty of convincing the pharma brand managers to put money into the POC space mm-hmm. uh, when they're just kind of doing TV, you know, and a lot of it, as mm-hmm. we uncovered in our media issue and a little bit of social, you uh-huh. know, that, that they seem to be overlooking this opportunity. What, what's your pitch to buyers and advertisers? Well, I mean, it, it really just starts with point of care is that intersection point. Um, it's too important to ignore it, and there's so much opportunity within it. Um, I think it's a way that you can also be, just like with different aspects of, of digital and programmatic, a way that you can be really targeted and efficient with your spend. So even if you're you know, seeing spend overall for point of care increasing over time, when you think about you know how you're balancing your channels, you see, you know, you see an opportunity to really be effective with your spending and, and really targeted. Um, and I would also challenge to say, you know, let's think about this from an omni-channel perspective, right? What incremental lift will you see if you have a sales rep in the office and you're running TV, for example, um, and you're running digital display and you add point of care to the mix, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. look at your marketing mix model. What incremental lift do you think you're going to see? Um, because we see it. We see case studies of that all the time. So that would be my my elevator speech, okay. if you will. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. And we'd like to get our hands on some of those case studies, too. Yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll harass you about that later. That's right. a different, come that's later. A different Sounds good. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, first lightning round question. Um, what's your daily reading list? You know, somebody that wants to stay informed about everything going on around, uh-huh. not just what you do professionally, but in your life. What are your uh, must-reads every day? Well, I read the news every day um, from a variety of sources. So, I mean, I you know, you have to know what's going on in the world, of course. Hmm. Um, I've... I'm sort of addicted to, from a professional perspective, different books on powers of persuasion and influence. I just think with my background as a marketer, um, it's just an interest an interest that I have of you know how can you influence change and sort of prescribe um, and predict um, behavioral change. So that that's another one for me. Um, I just listened to a speaker, Jason Womack, recently at an advisory board, and he um, is a, a best-selling author. And I have his book, Your Best Just Got Better, on my on my list to start reading as well. So um, I've been reading more from a nonfiction perspective lately, just given the what's going on in the career and the wanting to stay um, informed and, and kind of be the best I can be. 
Um, this is something which kind of jumped out at me that I wanted to ask you because POC3 is a well-regarded organization. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's another advocacy organization, you know, whether it's in health or marketing or anywhere else, that you also feel is effective, that you look at and say like, hey, you know, this is a group that does well by its constituency? Well, there's so many of those, I guess. Um, I think, you know, we're always looking at IAB. I think, you know, that's one that's kind of been best in class, best of the best, really doing a good job of staying at the forefront and maintaining relevance. Um, I think when you think in terms of healthcare, there are just a plethora of patient advocacy groups out there um, that are great examples of, of doing things that can overall improve improve healthcare and improve patient lives. Um, but those are just a few. There's there's many that are doing things pretty effectively. The out of home industry, which you know, point of care can be looked at in part as part of out of home, I think is doing a lot and seeing a lot of traction too. And there's a multitude of associations in that space. So quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And last question for you, uh, who is your marketing role model? You know, I was thinking about that a little bit. I had a feeling you might ask. And I, <laughs> I will say, you know, I don't know that I have one specific marketing role model. To me, that's very personal. It's not someone that I've known from afar. It's, it's um, a mentor. Uh, yeah, a mentor. Uh, people that I've just seen um, effective leadership come from. I think one in particular was was actually a general manager that I worked with at, at Teva Pharmaceuticals. And I'm just... I think what made this person so effective as a marketer was to be really able to to challenge the status quo and to ask the questions that no one else is thinking about because oftentimes that's where you're really uncovering the unmet need. Um, and then to you know kind of hire and build teams based on people that were able to mobilize important things forward. Um, so I think that's one specific example, but I've had many in my career of, of people that I look at, even people that have you know, been my own direct reports that you can learn from and grow from and um, innovate from. Sometimes you learn more or as much from the people that one mentors than from the people that mentor mentor you, I guess. That's that what totally you, what you're correct. Yes, yes, I agree. Yes, agree. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much uh, for your time, Karen. This has been great. Thank um, you. Sure. And, uh, you know, I hope everybody out there listening has enjoyed this expanded look into the uh, third M in MMM, which we're trying to do more coverage <laughs> into the media area. Um, as, as mentioned, if you haven't had a chance, check out our media issue, the April issue, which we're, we're quite uh, fond of. Uh, also coming up on the, on the MMM calendar um, is the Transforming Healthcare Conference uh, coming up May 8th uh, in New York City. If you haven't uh, registered for that, uh, check, check it out on, on the website. Uh, also, the May issue will unveil our top 40 healthcare transformers of, uh, uh, or we've already unveiled it, but you'll be able to read all the full profiles um, in the issue and on, online as well. Uh, then we have in June is the diversity issue, uh, and our Hall of Fame event is coming up uh, June 6th. Uh, so that's about it. That's the story. We're going to call it there. Again, thank you, Karen Newmark, for joining us. Thank you, Larry, my stalwart co-host. Okay.